So remembering the here and now, Pachubana, reminding ourselves to bring, you know, to stop thinking about the future or remembering the past, but to establish, ground yourself in the present. And this is a continuous practice, you know, throughout your life as a this human birth it's a, it's, a, it's a continuous way of living, you know, of reminding, remembering. <clears throat> so in my own practice over, this will be my 44th Vasa this year, and it's this, you know, continuous reminding, Pachubana Dhamma here and now. And then that's, uh, you know, using the concept of here and now. Pachubana is a Pali word for the present. <clears throat> The reality, Dhamma, reality, the present reality, Pachubana, here and now, present reality. So this is, it's like this. <clears throat> so I like this translation of Dhamma as reality, as awakening to the real. It means quite a lot to me because, uh, of course, many of us get, you know, the, the world, the society we live in is saying we don't live in the real world. You know, we say, people assume we live in some artificial or dream world. <clears throat> but the truth of the matter is most of the people that say that live in their dream worlds. And this awakening... Pachubana Dhamma, awakening to the reality here and now, because this the here and now is real. This is this is Dhamma. This is not uh, culture. This is not personal. This is not you know something that that belongs to me or whatever. But it is like this. All conditions are impermanent. All Dhamma, you know, the reality is not a personal thing. It's not about my reality versus yours, or is my reality more real than your reality? Then we get into being absurd. But it's uh, it's not a matter of of owning or describing, but awakening to the real. So it's a. Uh, a kind of invitation, what the Buddha gave us is an invitation, an opportunity to use this convention for awakening to reality. Uh, and of course we have to live within the illusoriness of the societies that we're born into, our own conditioning, the physical body, the the uh, habit formations that we've acquired. We, it's learning to put them in this 
in terms of Dhamma rather than in terms of me and mine. So it's, that's why this word discernment, it's discerning. It's not about having views and opinions or personal uh, attitudes or cultural biases or, or even religious uh, biases. The point of, of the convention that we have, Buddha Dhamma, is, is not to interpret the here and now through the perceptions of Buddhism, but it's to use the, the teaching, like the Four Noble Truths, as a way of reminding ourselves, of reflecting, of awakening, of looking, rather than operating from uh, being Theravadan Buddhists and, uh, you know, the way we might, a particular Buddhist convention that we prefer or identify with, that's not Dhamma. So the Buddha was never a Buddhist and he never taught Buddhism. So, in the, you know, he taught Dhamma, the way things are. <clears throat> so all these, these Pali teachings, you know, are pointing out the way it is. It's, it's not, you know, it's, uh, they wake up and wake to awaken to reality. Observe for yourself. Pachubana Dhamma. Know for yourself. Don't go around just quoting scriptures or teachers. Because, you know, you can admire somebody who you assume is awake and still be lost in your own illusions. <clears throat> so like in the forthcoming Bapacha for our Soledad and Miriam, this is they're taking the uh, samana form, alms mendicancy. And uh, of course it's brahmacharya, you're giving up your your uh, rights to hold money and own property and for uh, sexual activities, etc. And it's about, uh, you know, it's a prescription, it's a prescribed form that you're, that, you know, that Bapacha gives you the empowerment. It's an imprimatur to, to live as a samana, to uh, be an alms mendicant, not just on your own terms as you personally feel like it, but within a structure that is clearly designated clearly prescribed kind of a form that that we all live with. It's a part of the reflectiveness. Like Vinaya is is structure. It's hierarchical. It's it's uh, patriarchal. It's uh, you know it's it's about one thing after another. About seniority about restriction and restraint. And that, you know, if taken personally, 
we can take it personally and then uh, of course it you know then we we misuse it it's not for creating a a sense of one you know because uh, it's patriarchal it somehow it's men are superior to women that's that's a cultural attitude that's how the form developed in a tradition so because of the original Buddha, Gautama, the Buddha, the structure developed in this form. So the structure, and this is what I want to emphasize, is I don't want to apologize for the structure or to criticize it, because the structure is a traditional structure that I've asked to enter, you know, to live under. I've you know, I did intentionally chose to live within this form. In this tradition. <clears throat> and of course this, uh, you know, can be, you know, we, we're, we've got critical minds so we can definitely criticize things we don't like about the tradition. That's part of the practice, to, to be the knower of one's critical mind. How it, how it becomes so self-centered. My criticisms, my views, my opinions become so powerfully urgent that they can completely delude me. Now I know this from my own experience because, you know, you're you know, I had, I didn't have it so clearly spelled out for me when I became a monk in Thailand. It wasn't that clear. I had to figure it out because, uh, of course, I was in a Theravadan country uh, whose language I didn't understand and uh, in a culture, Asian culture. And there was a dearth of information in English at that time. Uh, so, you know, I didn't have all the, the uh, commentaries on Vinaya and, and, the, and any great initial instruction in the use of Vinaya and, and the importance of it. I just more or less went in, you know, because of my faith and eagerness to live a life that I, that I assumed would be very useful to me because I found just living on my own terms very harmful. I didn't have much wisdom to live skillfully as an independent person. So, you know, the advantage, say, now, uh, in this monastery, is it, it's clearly, you know, we, we have uh, people, monks, nuns, who have lived this life long enough to understand how to use it, you know, how to cultivate, how to, you know, what the purpose of the Vinaya is, the, the conventional structure.
that, you know, whose language we can, you know, the language for this monster is English. <clears throat> now, the lay community, most of it doesn't understand uh, Vinaya, so it's, you know, it sees Vinaya is is not the the reason why most uh, Westerners take an interest in, and want to become monks and nuns or or practice. You know, you, how many people in this country, in Europe, want would really dare to become a samana? You know, this is a drop in the ocean, isn't it? What we have here, because it. It, uh, you know, is something not understood or appreciated or just seen as, uh, as just the Asian tradition or my, my own personal interest was in Dhamma, not in Vinaya. When I started my interest in Buddhism, it was not through the Vinaya, but through the Dhamma. Then in the, training in Thailand with Lung Po Cha, I deliberately chose Ajahn Cha because he was, uh, his monastery was strict in Vinaya and I could see uh, that many monasteries are not very strict. And I wanted to, I knew I needed to live in a disciplined way, in a structure that I didn't create out of my own ideas or views. That I have to surrender, conform, bend over and bow and do things that, that, and, and learn to live within limitations that I had no right to, to, uh, change. You know, it's a traditional form, it isn't, it wasn't asking Najan Shah to change it for my sake. Even though sometimes, you know, personally I felt he should, but uh, I didn't want to believe my own personal reactions to the form. So this is something too, you know, it is a, it is a sense of Sacrificing your rights, giving up your freedom, giving up all your rights to have money, to live your life as you want to, for intimate relationships with others. And I mean, this is a lot to give up, you know, in terms of it's what, you know, what is glorified in our sense of freedom in modern democratic societies. You know, it's not by giving up all these these rights. We we don't even vote, or t- we're not even supposed to to take sides on political issues, even though we might have personally have strong feelings on the right or the left of the spectrum. So then, the this this retreat, you know, the emphasis is on Pachubanatama awaken here and now, mindfulness, sati-sampachanya. (coughs) 
and being the observer rather than the person, you know, this personality trying to get something or get rid of something. So the, the, the form itself is impersonal. Like the Siladhara structure is not to, to reinforce uh, personality. It's about uh, voluntary restraint. In order to observe, you know, your own uh, emotional reactions and tendencies, you know, to, to restraint, to restriction. Now also in the Brahmacharya life, you know, one of the, when, when you take the Bapachar, you, you have to repeat after me, Kesa Loma Naka Danta Tajo. This is hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. This is, you know, there's always kind of an interesting thing to, that when, give I, when I give you the basic teaching for the life, Brahmajan life, I say, repeat after me, Kesa, then you say, Kesa, hair of the head, Loma, hair of the body, Naka, nails, Danta, teeth, Tajo, skin. What is this about? You know, what, why, why do we have to do this? Is this just, uh, you know, a Theravadan poly ceremony? But it is pointing at the here and now Dhamma, isn't it? Of living as a Samana. You know, we have to live with this physical form. We don't, you know, can't shed the, the, the Kesa Loma Naka Danta Tajo and live in a kind of solely etheric or spiritual world. We have to live uh, in these rather tedious uh, physical forms for the rest of our lives, that we may never have really reflected upon very seriously, but maybe, you know, it was like the society, how the society tends to condition us to identify, you know, to, to see ourselves uh, in terms of what we look like. So in this reflection of Kesalomanaka Dantantajo, it's, uh, you know, we, we see, you know, and we look at each other, in fact, we see the nuns are like this, monks, Ajahn Majiro, like this, Ajahn uh, Jutindaro, Ajahn Panyasaro, Ajahn Sundara, on and on like this, we give personality. Those are, these, these poly names become personalities and my name, and me and mine starts all over again. <clears throat> or, Kesaloma Nakadanta Tajo, we shave off the Kesa, hair of the head, Loma, hair of the body, there's all these bodies 
are covered in hairs. There's nails, fingernails, toenails, teeth, and skin. Now these things reflected upon are just pointing to the reality of now because that's what we're sitting with here, all of us, in this temple at this very moment. There's Kesa Lomanaka Danta Tajo sitting here, sitting on the mats, on the seats. Now when I reflect in this way, how does that affect you, you know? Because people don't reflect in this way usually. They, they see it in terms of habit, of personal space, of cultural biases. We take it for granted. I'm sitting here, you're sitting there. The women on that side, men on this side. <clears throat> and then we, we can put you and we can just close our eyes and not observe, you know, li- observe the breath or go into a nice tranquil state or just deal with uh, any kind of uh, thoughts and emotions that arise. Or to put forth the effort to reflect on this, the reality of the physical presence of human bodies at this time, which includes one's own as well as, as everyone else. Lay people or someone as whatever, Kesa, hair of the head, Loma, hair of the body, Naka, nails, Danta, teeth, Tajo, skin. Now that's the outer surface, isn't it? That's, that's what we present to the world. You know, how we appear in society is, is uh, these, this is a common, common appearance to all human beings. Now if you reflect on this, this uh, teaching, You know, I used to, we used to think it's like a supagamatan, which is, you know, usually translated as super means uh, disgust for it, you know, like it's ugly, like hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, they disgust me. You know, so it's a, one can prime oneself to feel disgusted with it. Or there's a tendency to, you know, to uh, try to attract each other through having beautiful hair, lovely teeth, manicured nails. With men, you can have beards and mustaches, and hair of the body, uh, you know, fixed in very attractive ways, or, or uh, teeth. We want love, have lovely dentures, shiny white pearly teeth that are straight, not crooked, and we want to have beautiful complexion. Tanjo, nice skin. And so, the, of course, this is, you know, the world around us, the society trying to, to uh, 
get these these this outer appearance into a form that is attractive or makes arouses desire or interest or we admire beautiful complexions and lovely nails and pearly white teeth beautiful hair and of course like uh, you know fashion and vanity and all this is about making these uh, in attractive forms but on their own they're not very attractive are they like finding hair somebody's hair in your soup makes you not want to eat the soup even though maybe the waitress had beautiful blonde hair <laughs> but as a just a hair somebody's hair no matter how beautiful it it was on her head in your soup is not so nice this is bringing it into you know how how we can delude ourselves how uh, lust arises in our minds through not going very deeply but just superficially uh, just seeing things on the surface from a very conditioned habit, habitual way of seeing, interpreting and reacting to conditioned phenomena. One time I did find a tooth in, in my food one time. And, and it was a rather nice tooth, but <laughs> it didn't make me want to continue eating the meal. Now this is La Supa, and then the 32 parts of the body then, that goes into the, the, the internal side that we don't reflect on very much. You know, we, we, we don't have to look at it. We don't have to look at our intestines or kidneys or anything. They're all nicely packaged inside. And when we do have to look at them, and you know, like in a, go to an autopsy, it's, it's not. It has a, you know, at first quite a shocking effect to see inside, you know, when they cut open the skin of a corpse and then you see what's inside. The first time it's quite, it can be quite a shock. Even though intellectually you know that there's intestines, stomach, entrails and all the rest in there. The actual seeing of it, because it isn't, according to cultural standards of beauty and uh, attractiveness, it's not, doesn't, you know, it's rather hideous. It's shocking. Until we get over our, our maybe our averse or shocked reactions, then we begin to see it in a dispassionate way. Just like uh, the brahmacharya life is not to suppress sexual desire but to develop dispassion not to always see things from just reactivity or or cultural conditioning or personal tendencies
And as we, you know, the, then the asupa, the word asupa, means the non-beautiful. It doesn't mean like it's foul and disgusting and ugly and terrible. Because those are adjectives that, that create a, an, a sense of aversion rather than dispassion. Asupa, seeing the non-beauty of the human body is not, you know, not to make us hate or dis- feel disgust or reject our human forms, but to reflect on them in, in a way that we're not no longer just deluding ourselves about physical beauty, personal appearance, beautiful complexion, And that's what, you know, you in the newspapers, uh, it's all about fashion and how you look and your hair and teeth and, and eyes and, you know, how eye makeup and how to improve your, your physical appearance through cosmetic, through cosmetic surgery, make yourself, you know, look more beautiful, uh, more attractive to the outer world or to yourself. But the summoner life is, we're not here to, to, to do that, you know, to, to, to cultivate vanity, but to reflect on it. You know, to observe, to, to be the knower of vanity is like this. What I look like, how I look to others, what I, what I would like to look like is like this. We're not trying to look at the, how horrible, uh, our hair is and, Body hair is disgusting and, and teeth and, and nails and skin and, and guts, urine and feces and pus and blood and all these ugly things. You see the, the society is a superficial one that we live in. It's all about surface, how you look, your position in it. You know, so, you know, it's all about vanity, how much money you have, and you know how well you're dressed, or maybe your personality is to rebel against fashion and materialism. And then you develop a, an ego around, I'm not like those stupid uh, people that just blindly follow fashion, but I'm an independent, uh, self-made person. And that's, that's really the same thing, whether you're asserting yourself as somehow superior to the rest, or you're just one of the conforming sheep in a, in a flock of human beings. It's still not the answer not the way out of suffering, to rebel or to just go along with it. Or just conform out of fear or, you know, to just get by. Sometimes we we just conform through resigning ourselves to conditions because there's nothing we can do about them. But that's not what I encourage as a samana. I don't want to re- encourage uh, you know, like Soledad and Miriam, just to conform out of 
a kind of passive resignation to to the tradition. It's not a kind, it's not meant to oppress you <clears throat> or to intimidate you, but to remind you, Pachubanatama. And how your own personality, emotional habits, react to it. You know, how, you know, to the position you're in, to the form you're in. Sometimes, ideally, we, we think, well, I accept it, I surrender to it, I respect the Vinaya totally and completely. That's the ideal, isn't it, that we all have. At least speaking for myself, you know, I respect it and I conform to it, and, you know, which can be based on an ideal of it. But then emotionally, you know, you have to deal with how you feel about it. Conforming. And so, you know, as I've pointed out many times, the, the conflict that arises in our jittas because of the, you know, you know, holding on to the ideal and the, and the difference of, you know, the ideal, what we know is right and what we should be doing to the way we're actually feeling. And so that's where this Pachubana Dhamma is necessary to get that perspective, to, to be able to see, you know, the, you know, to see both. Because with mindfulness it includes both your, your idealism, the sense of duty and what's right and, and uh, altruistic attitudes and so forth as well as your emotional reactions at the same time. And this, you know, people find you know, their lives very confusing because they know how they should be, but then they can't really be like that. You know, so then we suffer from guilt, self-criticism, self-disparagement, because we can never be as good and as pure and as selfless as we can imagine we should be or would like to be, because we're dealing with the realities of here and now, the way we're feeling now. And what is it that knows, knows the feeling is like this? The ideal, uh, you know, how I would like to be or how things should be is like this, and the actual emotional reaction we have in the present is like this. That's mindfulness. Because satisampachanya includes everything. It's not taking sides even. This is where we can get perspective on all conditions are impermanent. Because we're not, you know, taking sides with the ideal and then, and then uh, trying to annihilate what we're feeling or condemn it. Nor are we encouraging ourselves just to be caught in our feelings and feel guilty about it because maybe they're not far from what the kind of feelings we should have in the present, according to the ideal. And what is it 
that knows this, that has this perspective on the conditions, the physical body at this time, the emotional uh, conditions you're experiencing, your views and your ideals and hopes and expectations and the reality of, you know, the, the shoulds of life, how things should be, and the way it is emotionally uh, may, is not maybe how it should be, but it's like this. Now the shoulds are, you know, they're, they're, uh, they don't have any feelings. Ideals don't feel anything. So, and then, and then we live, you know, but on a emotional level is about feeling, isn't it? And sensory experience brings up feelings of attraction, aversion, pleasure, pain, <clears throat> liking, disliking. So this is, uh, you know, if one is just attached to ideas and ideals, then we tend to, to suppress feeling. Or we tend to be critical or feel guilty about how we actually feel. So now the government, you know, governments now trying to pass laws about telling how we should, telling us how, making laws about how we should feel about things. That's what they seem to be doing. <laughs> that we, uh, you know, we, because the government isn't an enlightened government. It's trying to say we shouldn't have any racial prejudices, any gender biases. We shouldn't have any class preferences or anything. We shouldn't, we should, uh, you know, see everything from the ideal level. We shouldn't be selfish. You know, we should be generous and we should be compassionate and, and, uh, we should love all sentient beings equally and we should, you know, these are very altruistic ideals. Fortunately, the government isn't trying to make us do that, but, but the modern, modern Britain is, uh, you know, facing all kinds of problems, societal problems, to deal with male-female, with uh, r different nationalities, races, different religions, classes, class identities, with w wealth and poverty, with, you know, being beautiful or ugly or disabled or you know, now there's all these politically correct ways of talking, so you don't, you don't say a blind person, you say visually challenged. Things like this, ways of talking about things that hopefully doesn't offend anybody. Because, you know, it shows a certain amount of interest in trying to, to, you know, to try to respect and, and uh, show, you know, some 
sensitivity towards dis- disabilities in others or whatever, but also it it can blind us to to how we actually feel. You know, we can become so sensitive that if you know, I don't know how blind people feel, but if if somebody you know, if you're determined to never be called blind or referred to as a blind man, a visually challenged person, and then somebody says, you're a blind man, then I could be very upset, couldn't I? That's wrong, you shouldn't talk to me like that. You should say, I'm a visually challenged person. And does that, you know, does that make me feel better? Or, And so the knowing of this, you know, wanting, expecting everyone to accept me with my disabilities or peculiarities and not to discriminate or judge or look down upon, but see everything, everything, everybody from uh, this ideal of uh, equality or egalitarian or Never, never, you know, being so sensitive that we can never really be honest and say things clearly. Now the important thing in this, what I'm trying to convey, is sati sampatanya, being aware. You know, when somebody insults me or says things that personally I find offensive or I don't get the respect that I'm used to or, you know, make fun of me or whatever, you know, should I you know, I can be offended, upset, I can, it can ruin my day, you know, before as a layperson, I get upset over little things that last for days on end. And, uh, you know, how, you know, this was, uh, and then the, the demand that society never say or do anything that would offend me, that would upset me, that you should, one time, uh, I remember at Chitters, before coming here, having this insight of, uh, you know, living in this monastic community at Chitters. And there was a kind of tendency in me to, you know, and this was un, un, unconscious, but an attitude almost of, I expect you all to live in a way that, does, that never offends or upsets me. That's your duty. You know, the monks, the nuns, anagars, you if you're here, you should. Your duty is to practice hard and do, obey the rules and do everything and, and uh, never complain. And, uh, because I don't want to deal with that, with complaints, with criticisms. Uh, I want you to just live in this very conform, ideal way of conforming and then I'll never be offended or upset or challenged. Now I made that very uh, 
clear in my mind, you know, because I had to spell it out to myself. Because it wasn't like I actually thought that in, in any serious way. But actually there was an attitude that I had that if you take it to its ultimate absurdity, to its extreme, would be that, you know, the world, the society, the world around me, don't upset, don't rock the boat, don't offend me, don't, you know, just say everything is all right. At least smile and look like you're happy, even though you're not. And so this is, you know, when you're head of a community, everybody's looking at you, and, and you're the focus for, for love and hate and all kinds of projections. Because my position has been one where I'm in, in a position of a patriarchal authority figure, as the teacher, as the upachaya, as a big man, as a, you know, senior monk. I, you know, the, the, the conditions that I live under can, you know, naturally create, uh, people have reactions of this nature. I'm, I'm big, physically big. I'm older than you, most of you anyway. And, uh, senior, the teacher, the ajahn, the abbot, upanchaya, father, Grandfather, patriarch, and then then that those are you know those are the perceptions that that uh, are part of the package, isn't it? I can't I can't change that. You know that's just that's 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 where I find myself. It's not by choice. It just happens this way. And yet emotionally, I found that very, you know, something uh, I didn't like being. I didn't like being a focus for everyone's views and opinions and reactions. I'm actually basically a coward. I'd like to hide away where, you know, I, I don't have to, to, uh, you know, expose myself in a, such a continuous way to, to the public. So this is, uh, to be in a position with the unrelenting, uh, seems that wherever I go now, I'm the focus for this. I mean, and mostly it's respectful and I'm not complaining. But just pointing out how that, you know, how we create each other. And then it brings up certain emotional reactions, just like physical size, being big, how that affects short people. You know, I don't know how that does, but I hear various things. Some, you know, I've been blamed for being bully, as being overbearing, just because I'm physically so big. So maybe I should chop my legs off or something. 
They did that in Penang, I remember, to Kuan Yin. They had in Penang in Malaysia. The Buddhists put up this huge, gigantic, ginormous statue of Kuan Yin on top of a hill. And she towered over all the mosques and everything. And the Muslims were upset. <laughs> so they chopped her legs off. You see, nobody's looking at their, their mind in any real way. <laughs> They're just believing, you know. <clears throat> that Kuan Yin shouldn't be uh, tower over, uh, you know, mosques and, and Muslim, uh, upsetting the Muslims. Well, being upset is you know, this is, uh, this realm we live in is, is like this. It's not a peaceful realm. You know, conditioned phenomena is not peaceful. It's about change. And the change is, it isn't going to be peaceful. We'd like everything to change into peace, but yet, you know, when you contemplate the physical bodies you have and the, and the, and the conditions we have to live in within, for a lifetime. It's not about peace and harmony and love and how things should be, but it's like this. It's about change, about meetings and partings and, and birth and death, and summer and winter, and praise, being praised or blamed or loved or hated or condemned or ignored or whatever. So that's where, you know, this summoner life is to is to really, you know, see that that don't make a problem out of the convention. The five points that we've emphasized make explicit so that these these are not being, you know, we're, we're making it clear how to use the form, the, the boundaries of it that are implicit in the structure of Vinaya. You know, it, it's implicit, it's not, you know, it's, uh, we, because it is implicit, we, we assumed everybody understood. And so the five points have been, been uh, stated to make it explicit. So that that when you're entering this this form, you know what you're getting. There's no kind of fuzziness around it. You know, this is to make it very clear that you know what you're doing and that you're willing to, you know, you want to do this. That this form is to be used. You know, it's it's for mindfulness, not for personal positioning or personal worth. You know, it's a, it's a gift offered to simplify everything and to, you know, because that's what Vina is, it's all about boundaries and limitation. <clears throat> it's not about rights and freedom and being able to express yourself and do what you want and be appreciated as a person. It's about duties and, and, and 
agreements, moral agreements, and about etiquette, ways of relating to each other. And that's where, you know, in the, with the Vinaya, it's, it is, it is definite structural form, hierarchical, patriarchal, that terrible word that triggers off so much anger in these days in society. But let's, let's face it, it is this, you know, I'm not trying to apologize or just, we don't mention that word. Don't say that word because it's going to upset somebody. But it's not because of, uh, you know, to develop, uh, to identify uh, and, and, and submit blindly to patriarchal forms. But it is a form for reflection and, and to for you to get some perspective on your reactions, emotional reactions to the limitation, to the structure, to the seniority, the juniority. Not to, you know, but in, in order to see that attachment to desire is suffering. Wanting it to be otherwise, not wanting it to be this way. <clears throat> Wanting to have something you don't get or not wanting what you have. And that we all have to do, whether you're at the, you know, the, the supreme patriarch or the most junior nun, it's, the practice is the same thing. You know, it's not about, you know, I'm, you know, I'm supreme patriarch, I'm better than you are. That would be a really stupid uh, interpretation of of this structure. It's not about personal worth or who's who's better or superior. It's it's an agreed structure to reflect upon, and that's why when you enter, you ask for bapacha. You have to ask three times. I say this is this three times, meaning that you know what you're doing. You're not. There's no, you know, not holding a gun to your head or your, or social pressures. You have to, you know, decide. This is, you know, say three times. And so then it, it's, uh, then the Sangha, you know, gives you the precepts so that this is assumed that you know exactly what you're doing, what you're getting into. And then the, and then the emphasis is on mindfulness. Because that's what the Samana life is for. It's, it's a reflective. It's for seeing the causes, suffering and its causes and the, and the non-suffering. And the structure is not about suffering. You can create suffering around anything, but, uh, out of ignorance. But the structure is not about suffering, but about restraint. And the, the aim of the Samana is, is, the whole aim of it is to move toward non-attachment, towards awareness, and a sense of, you know, because we are Samanas, because we depend 
on the, the lay people for basic requisites, then, then we're putting ourselves in a very vulnerable position, you know, where we, we aren't free to just, you know, get what we want, but we have to depend on others sensitivity and appreciation to provide shelter, robes, food, and medicine. So then, this summoner life, you know, because the lay people are generous, kind, here, you know, there's abundance of requisites. And, uh, and then we we reflect on that, and then it leads to gratitude, which is a beautiful, which is the result of the samana life, gratitude, gitanyu, and contentment. You know, and but in order to to really uh, fulfill that, one has to look at oneself to see one's own ego operating, lack of gratitude, discontentment, complaining mind, blaming mind, wanting something, not wanting it to be like this, wanting to change it, wanting to make it better, wanting to modernize, update it, make it more agreeable to everybody, or to use this form for Sati Sampachanya Sati Panya. So this is this form, you know, the, the reason I came to England, because I was invited here by the English Sangha Trust. And to make this this tradition available to people. And so, you know, and it has been, you know, it has developed over over 30 years to this. But it's not going to be a mass movement. It's not about making Buddhism acceptable to everybody in Europe, but to to give those that see the value of this tradition an opportunity to use it in its very traditional form. That's my intention. You know, to, because there always will be a few who will appreciate it, and there'll always be a lot who won't. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not about mass, not a mass movement. Uh, it's not about making Buddhism acceptable to Western world, but taking this this ancient form that we believe was established by the Lord Buddha and giving you opportunities to use it and develop it. And then how, you know, what you get from it is up to you, you know, how to, the results. You know, if you're suffering, it's because of what? Because of Dukkha Samudaya, the first two noble to suffering and the causes. 
And when there's no suffering, then there's Dukkha Niroda and Majjhima Bhattibhata, the second two noble truths. And that you you discern in your in your jitta, in your mind. Not about changing everything to what one wants, but but about developing this this kind of trusting in this awareness to see the causes of suffering and the and ignorance of you know seeing things always from delusion from self from cultural prejudices and views and opinions that we have so it's not asking you to conform uh, you know out of social pressure or intimidation or just do it because you feel you have to it's uh, you know really to see it as occasion something to to treasure and value and 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 it's up to you to make it work for you. You know, I can't do more than this. I can't make it f- work for you. I would if I could, but I can't. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's so it's like a uh, the Bapa child, like a, the Sangha is behind you, giving you this support. This it's like a permission and uh, Sangha support. To be to develop this path, and then the agreement is to live within the the structure the, the, of the vinaya that's provided, and how we the restraint, the position, the the form is designated. It's a prescription, but not but it's not but it's for mindfulness, not for uh, attachment, blind attachment, and identity. Mm-hmm.